Sometimes the most meaningful conversations begin with a simple hello. So hello, I'm Marina Mahadev, founder of Zafi Girl. In our mission to inspire women through travel, we recently started Hello Zafi Girl, a series of online conversations with women from all walks of life all over the world. Join us twice a month as we bring you casual chats and educational workshops covering topics such as mental health, social impact, finance hacks, and everything else in between. After all, life is a journey, and realizing our fullest potential makes it an adventure. Hello, everyone. Hi. 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 Wow. All these people come <laughs> in early morning on Saturday, on Saturday, which is normally a sleep-in day. To <laughs> to listen to me talk to Yuna and Nicole. Welcome, welcome. So this hey, is the fifth of our Hello Zafigo uh, online conversations. Uh, started, of course, during the COVID, but it's been so great that we we'll probably carry on because this is a fun way to do things and. You don't know that I'm wearing jeans underneath, so that's great. <laughs> um, so today, today we have two of Malaysia's brightest stars. We have two young women who have really, really scaled the heights, traveled far to make uh, a name for themselves on the international stage and succeeded in doing it. And I know you all are excited to to listen to them um, today and so are we I mean I, I I'm excited two celebs that we have here so let me uh, get right down to it uh, firstly we have all the way from Colombia would you believe Colombia <laughs> in Latin America Nicole and David hi Marina <laughs> you know hi Nicole and, Hi everybody. You know, and Nicole, as you know, is really our number one, uh, the world's number one uh, woman squash player with you know an incredible 112 uh, weeks, months, months, yeah, months, months, right? Yeah. At the top, <laughs> at number one. And uh, now she's uh, retired if you can call it retired, but she's still doing all sorts of amazing things. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for doing this with us uh, today. It's uh, 9, 9 p.m. your time, right? Something yeah. like that? Yes. Yeah, it's yes, at it's night. You've, you've had dinner. We've just had breakfast. So timing. <laughs> yes, perfect timing. Luckily, you know, I, I'm glad you're not in some awkward place where it's three in the morning for you or something like that. So no, exactly. we'll thanks so much. Yeah. And and you know, Yuna, I this is what I I this is uh Yuna is everyone knows she's become a big star and uh, also traveled far <laughs> off to the US. And yet she's home right now, stuck, lucky us. <laughs> um, Thank you. I think we have to be grateful to, to COVID for something. So we get Yuna home, even if we don't get Nicole home. But, <laughs> you know, we get to connect this way. 
I don't have to go through Yuna's amazing um, bio. You all know, you've all listened to her. Uh, she's been featured on American talk shows. She's toured the US and Europe and sometimes us too. Uh, last album was Rouge, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, like your lipstick. And yeah. um, and what else? Oh, you've sung with Usher. Is it Usher or Usher? I'm always saying Usher. <laughs> Usher, Usher. Oh, Correct. okay, Usher. <laughs> like the Usher, you know, yeah. in, in yeah. events. And <laughs> uh, been produced by people like Pharrell and all that. Like all these people that we only read about and she gets to actually meet them. So welcome uh, to Hello Zafigo, Yuna. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. Oh no, our real, our real pleasure. Oh well, this is you know this is meant to be a casual conversation, and so no no formal presentations, nothing today. We're just gonna chit chat, and I'm gonna start off. You know, Nicole, I'm gonna tell this story. Nicole, the other day when we were chatting, you said you'd never met Yuna, right? Yeah. But when we were chatting with Yuna, she says, actually, you have met before. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, at Suma. Uh, we met at, at Suma. Suma, no way. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> what long year was ago. that? Because like, you're both Suma, athletes. Like, I was yeah, she's an, also an athlete. <laughs> well, not like you. <laughs> no, 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 but, but you were competing. It was yeah. yeah. I was uh, I was still in um, secondary school. I was sixteen, and I was representing. Okay. Um, I think it was two thousand and I want to say two thousand and two. Two thousand okay. yeah, two thousand and two. Yeah, the later ones because I played like the earlier part. <laughs> yeah, nine ninety four, nine yeah, ninety six. Yeah, like so that was when I was a little bit. <laughs> considering uh, oh wow but yeah no i mean like uh this was 2002 uh but i was still like so young like but uh, <laughs> yeah i can't even remember where it was but it so was the opening ceremony i oh uh, i was representing perlis in 10 pin yeah. book <laughs> no way oh, well done <laughs> thank ah, you <laughs> But yeah, That's but it's cool. it's nice to like finally like see you, see you, and talk to you. We've yeah. never yeah. met each other. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Nicole, awesome. okay. I met good, you. Good to know. Good to know. I met yeah. you at the Olympic torch run, right? Yes. Yes, that was right. my first that was, time. That was that was what year was the that? Beijing that was two thousand and eight. Yeah, when yeah. they had the torch run in KL. And yeah. so we all were running, so-called running, very slow running for... I know, they uh, tell us to like run slowly so that the camera actually follows. Okay, follow, yeah, so, for 100 meters. Yeah. And and yeah. then we got on this bus and I found myself sitting next to Nicole. So that's how I met and Nicole David on the I, bus. <laughs> I know it was, it was one of my, like, I mean, I have so much respect uh, for, uh, for you, Marina. And when I had the chance to actually sit next to you and realize that I was actually receiving the the flame from you, I was like, wow, this is another huge honor. And being in uh, Malaysia running the torch run for the Olympics and squash yeah. is not an Olympic sport. So 
So it was truly a special moment. So it was nice. Yeah. Oh, all, um, on the bus, <laughs> meeting right. you for the first time. Right. It was great. So you you were campaigning for to for squash to be made an Olympic sport, right? Are you still doing yeah. that? Um, right now, um, we've, we've already missed out on the um, Tokyo Olympics. Uh, so at the moment, they will have to build up. And we also missed out in Paris. Uh, so at the moment, they are probably having to um, work towards 2028, which is a, a oh. campaign that is a long time coming. So yeah, it, it, will, wow, it will be a bit difficult. That's a long... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it will be a little difficult because... Um, At the moment, the Olympic Committee, um, the International Olympic Committee is actually focusing on different things. So working on commercial value, how to get, you know, some returns for them and also targeting like the youth. So like, you yeah. know, break dancing is in, uh, wall climbing, surfing. Break dancing. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> those sports are coming in because it's really known to the, the younger generation and they want to create that hype for the youth to get involved with the Olympics and right. squash will get get there but it will take some time <laughs> so yeah wow. we are not focusing too much on getting into the games we're just focusing on developing our sport and growing it right. in the way it, it should so, yeah. right right <laughs> so we've, we've, we've gotten into the conversation already but yeah as you know Zafigo is a, uh, a travel website for women you know so Um, so I, I just let let's just start off with with you know both of you and I'll put this to both of you and, and you can take turns answering and both of you really took that leap to leave home leave the comforts of home and family to go far away um, yeah, Nicole to Amsterdam wasn't it or somewhere yeah, yeah Amsterdam yes, and Amsterdam. you now to to the states to to make your name and to really gain that experience what did it feel like i mean what what how did you make that decision like okay i got to go or else you know things are not going to to happen any I, either one of you can uh okay i'll i'll start <laughs> yeah you okay. know okay. <laughs> um for uh for me marina i think um i was I felt like um, in Malaysia, I was already doing everything that I could have done um, in the M Malaysian music industry. Um, you know, I've competed in AJL, Anugrajuara Lagu, AIM, and I think that's like, you know, the the highest that you could go, you know. And for me, it was like, okay, what's what's next? I have all these English songs that are not going anywhere and uh, not 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 going anywhere you know it uh, i do have fans um uh, who would listen to my music but not at the level you know back then we didn't have spotify we didn't have like all these like music streaming services so it was very important for me to you know like okay let's let's see what my options are outside of malaysia and um one day i just got like a, an offer to record in Los Angeles so you know like I didn't really think too long lah. I was just like uh, okay I'll go but of course yeah I know but of course you know like not just being like very uh, naive and you know some American dude is reaching out to me okay I'll go you know of course like I had to like 
check him out and you know instead of me flying to LA I told him you know what if you want to sign me you come out to Malaysia so this oh, guy <laughs> my manager Ben That's who it. is still my manager today like for 10 years now um he actually he's never been to Asia at all so nah. he flew all oh. the way to KL and I remember picking him up and uh, you know taking him to all these places in KL and then um, you know really showed him what I was all about before I, I moved to LA so I think for me it was important um, to just try because a lot of people told me that oh this is crazy you 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 cannot be an international yes. singer you know that's what they said like you you know you no one's gonna listen to you like these were the words that was uh uh you know like a, a music executive told me this like oh you know like uh maybe don't write don't put english music's uh english music in the album because um, no one in Malaysia is going to listen to it, you know, like no one's going to listen to a Malaysian artist singing no. English songs. So I was like, are you really? sure? No. <laughs> like we've had people, you know, I, before. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? But this was like, you know, when I was having a meeting with, with them, like it, because yeah. they wanted to sign me for my, for my Malay music. And I said, I have English music as well. Can I also include them my English songs in this album and they're like uh yeah maybe just write for the album you know so I was like okay well I'm not gonna sign with you guys I'm just gonna you know do my own thing and start my own company start my own record label so that was like my dream like my aim at the back of my head I always felt like I think I'm good enough like I think I can try this I think I can I can really build a fan base like somewhere else and and see what happens um so um, yeah, that's that's how that's how I, I felt about it. Yeah. Right. I, I remember watching you. You came to perform at one of our three R events. I remember it was I, I'm not sure what it was. Uh, it was kind of outdoor. And I think you were just starting. And that was the first time I heard you. And I thought, this girl's got everything. You know, Aww. everything. <laughs> um, but I, I, I can't remember what year that was. But I but. That must have been just when you were about to, to go big. So, so that's a good lesson. You know, if they're really keen on you, get them to prove it by getting on the plane and <laughs> Come to coming to, to see you. That's but you, you were not, I mean, you, you sounded pretty confident. You sound pretty, that you were pretty confident at the time that, that you did have something to offer. And so you weren't nervous. What do your parents think? They were they were the ones who were really into the idea. I think like I uh, when when I got the email from 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 them from my manager, um, they were uh, really mad at me for not replying. You know, they were like, "Why is this guy trying to reach out to you on Facebook? Mama dah reply dah dear. You know, so my mom, <laughs> my mom reached out to him and like, "Hey, talk to my daughter." this and this and this and then oh, no <laughs> I had no choice but to just like okay fine let's talk to him but not because I was like you know not really like um I was very careful and at the same time a lot of things were um happening for me in Malaysia you know I had AJL and I was working with a lot of brands 
that year. So it was, you know, okay lah, nanti lah, you know, let's let's wait first. So, but yeah, but my my parents were really supportive about me. Yeah, no, that's that's terrific to have supportive parents because, you know, I, you know, you most parents, a lot of parents, like you know, yeah. worry about stability, you know, mm-hmm. in the future for their kids. So, for them. To let you do this—that's that's really unusual, I think, yeah. um, and yeah, amazing. I, I think also at the time, um, you know, the the music thing was going really well for me, and I already, you know, finished my my um, legal studies, so I graduated. Uh-huh. So you know, like music was f- full time for me. You know, um, by that time, it was like my third year already, like doing music. So. Right. Yeah, so they were like, "Oh, you have to do this," you know. Like, uh, not everyone can do what you can do because I was thinking of maybe, okay, maybe I'll pursue the honors program now. You know, like maybe I'll just be a lawyer. <laughs> I ah, told my dad, cool. and then my dad was like, "What? No, don't, don't do that!" Wow, wow, that's that's uh, really great. Yeah, so they were they were really supportive. They they really liked. The fact that I was uh, making music and yeah, so I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Great, and you, Nicole, Nicole, um, you were winning everything here, and and so how how was that decision made? You know, to go off um, the to to Europe to train. Was there was there someone asking you to come, or you decided that that's like you now, like I got to go to another level, and yeah, mm-hmm. it 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 was exactly that. I I I went professional after uh, SPM, and I went out. I I won um, a World Juniors. I had um, an and after that, it gave me an idea that oh maybe I could become a world a world champion in the seniors, and that was my goal. But I so I actually approached my parents and I bargained with them a little bit like okay if I try one year of professional um, and if I do well maybe I will carry on playing professionally but if I don't then I'll go go and study in in uni and they were like okay yeah you can go ahead and play one year and then after a year I went up to the top sixteen in the world and I told my parents okay I now I want to move to Amsterdam to work with the best. To be the best, because in the team, a lot of the top players are already uh, on another level, and I was still like a junior level, and I needed to really change my game to break through. So from then on, I told my parents I move. I would have to move to Amsterdam to work with my coach, who was really experienced. Uh, her name is Liz Irving, and she's former world champion, top in squash for a long time. So I so I told them that I was moving and they were they, they were taken aback a little bit but they knew that was uh, I really was determined to fulfill my dream so they had they gave me their blessings and they let me go when I was 18 I moved to Amsterdam and uh, I was there for 16 years with my coach and I never looked back and that was the best decision I made uh, when I moved to Amsterdam because um, she basically changed my game completely. So I I had to change my technique from zero to start again, building rebuilding uh, my movement, uh, my the mental tactics as well, how to play the game with the top pros and how to apply different tactics at different times, um, and also just being stronger, fear, 
to match up with the the top girls. So that was yeah, that was the best move I ever made for my career, and and I had the best time training with Liz, and and then I just kicked off from there. So yeah. <laughs> wow, and and your parents uh, obviously are very supportive and all that. But yeah. you know, to be um a, to be a professional squash uh, player, you know, I mean, I, I don't think mm-hmm. we understand what a professional squash <laughs> player is. Do you have to? I mean, how do you survive? Do you have to keep winning tournaments or or what? I mean, how how is it professional as opposed to an amateur? Is there a certain so, yeah. way of, of doing... Um, no, it's like a, the tennis tour. So basically, you yeah. get points. So every right. round you go through, you get you get certain points. And the further you go, the more points you get. And then that right. will determine how high in the rankings you are to help you in future tournaments when you compete. So right. the more obviously, the, the better you do uh, in the rounds, that determines probably your ranking. So if I... If I maybe get to the the finals all the time, you'll probably be number one or two in the world. So that was right. the aim to be as consistent as possible to train um hard and and try to get as far as possible in the tournament and win as many matches. I mean that's I hate losing, so obviously that was <laughs> all I was aiming for. And um and uh, I I worked really hard. I think the few, first few years working in Amsterdam was the toughest because I had to start from scratch and build right. again. Yeah, and yeah. adapt to and also, to and also then the with the yeah, and um, also um, being a professional, you in the certain levels you get also prize money, and that's how you make money as you go on. But I was also supported by the Sports Council of Malaysia and the ministry uh-huh. to train in Amsterdam, to play for Malaysia. And that all helped in my my progress in my in achieving what I've achieved because I got all the expertise from Malaysia to give me that funds and to bring, to build my, my team to, right. to be a be a full full complete player. Right. And and your team would be your coach and who else? Who do you have in your team? <laughs> um, yeah, my coach, my physical trainer, my sports psychologist, my physiotherapist, you know, um, wow. the nutritionist now and then. Um, and yeah, pretty much that. And it's all very specific. They all have their own role and, and we work towards small details, just improving those small details and get better every time right so that's kind of like you now so because you also have yeah. your team right your musicians mm-hmm. and and uh and uh managers and everything right when you yeah so mm-hmm. so both of you have something similar mm-hmm. that you have your teams and you go on tour um you know you go all this musical tours like concert tours and nicole goes from tournament to tournament what is that like going on tour? I mean, most of us tour means going <laughs> holiday, you know, going see tourist sites, and then that's it. But it's you're something actually, like that. <laughs> it's it, like that. <laughs> but you're working, <laughs> and you have to be more the play. But I mean, do you, I mean tell us, tell us? We always, you know, when we look at all this big uh, pop stars and their tours and their <laughs> things like that. 
and you know the demands for things in the dressing room etc but what what is that like going from place to place uh, you know over a long period of time um wow uh well i mean the, i really i uh, the first time i went on tour was actually um I wouldn't say like super tough because I I actually had a lot of fun. It was a small tour. It was a small team. Like I started out with tour manager, um sound engineer and both of them were Malaysians. I flew them out to LA. Um so uh, Didi actually Didi is <laughs> watching. Hi Didi. <laughs> um Didi was tour managing and um she's really good at it. So after that, you know, like I kept hiring her back to to do my 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 tours um and then um and another um musician who traveled with us so this was my first tour and it was the i feel like that was the longest um i've been on the road like maybe a month and a half but it was really um tiring uh because we would be in the van so it's not bus yeah like a lot of people think that i tour yeah. on a bus touring bus touring bus costs like 150,000 USD so you know so i'm not going yeah. going to go down that route just like oh <laughs> let's just get on a tour bus so we we had a van like a kind of like a, a sprinter van so it's a little bit bigger mm-hmm. a little bit comfortable um and we would drive into a city we would um uh what do you call it um uh load load in into the venue like maybe at like we will arrive there like 3 p.m. and then we load in and then we take a break skajal like we eat and then we get into sound check and sound check i get ready backstage um and then i go on stage to perform like 9 to 10 and then uh maybe a little meet and greet which will last like for another hour and then we go either we go back into the van and travel to the next city or we stay the night and then the next morning like 6 a.m. we would we would drive because US is so big so we would have to allocate like maybe 6 hour um uh to to get to to the next city so every day it's like that it's like travel for a month wow for a month yeah so one <laughs> once every maybe like four days we'll get a break so like the the day you get that break point it's like not even like a real break it's like a drive break yeah. so it's like you're driving for 12 hours and then you get and then crashing up, crashing and then wake up the next morning and then driving for another 6 hours to the next show so um wow. at this point i got used to it um it's it's a lot of fun if you have like a great team with you so that's why i think from the very beginning like i you know i was my first time i just really needed to focus on like my health my stamina like okay how do i perform this like every night um you know i wasn't always like a, a singer a singer like i was a singer but not like a touring artist so i needed to get used to that and then um the next tours i think like you know for me it was more important okay now that i know that i i got this you know like i i can do this now i need to assemble a team that i really like that i can work with every every time i go on tour so the musicians have to be professional um the tour manager i have to like them you know like they cannot like do things that you know because you're spending so much time with these people so yeah. i can't you know like i can't like micromanage everything um but 
you know, I guess like the beauty of being a Malaysian, you're just pretty much like you adapt to things like very easily, you know, like you don't complain too much. Like you're just like, okay, fine, whatever. Like I'll sit here. I, I'll sit there. You know, I'm not like a, mm. like a diva. I was just like, oh no, I won't get into this hotel room, whatever, you know? So um, it was pretty easy for me because I enjoyed touring and, um, but yeah, it's definitely like a new um Uh, experience when I started touring you know so different from becoming an artist in Malaysia Um, like you know Nicole you said it before like when you moved to Amsterdam everything was just like from scratch you know so it was pretty much the same thing for me like everything that I learned in Malaysia like some of them I I still you know would would bring it with me but in the U.S. it's just like oh this is how you do like album cycle yeah okay put out album and then um, promo and then tour, da da da, da you know. So um, it's uh, I can finally see it as like a real job for me, you know. Like I can finally see like oh, being an artist is like oh, this is what you have to do. Like you know, you have to work very hard. So um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and and Nicole, you go from tournament to tournament, and you are physically. Yeah you know playing which is hard on how do you I mean when is it as well managed as a as Yuna's tour and how do you feel like how much time do you get to rest between um, each each round even you know yeah so a tournament goes between five to six days in a row so if you win each round you the it usually you have to play the next day but there are some tournaments that you have a day break and then you play the following day. But I I have a plan usually for the year where I'll play about 10, eight, like 10 tournaments in a year. So I spread it out. I don't go crazy playing like five tournaments in a row. I just took take two tournaments back to back. So I can just travel from one tournament to the other. And then I have a break of maybe three weeks to train, recover from those two tournaments and then train, build up again and then travel to the next tournament. It all depends on the, the season. So our season goes from um, September, like August to May and then we'll have a, a good a good three months, in two months in between to really have a break to then build a good training block so you have a different routine for your your training. So build, so... So that's pretty much the year you plan ahead and then you you use each tournament to actually get stronger. So I use tournaments to actually get myself peaking to like the big events. So right. So those are so that's what you train for. And in between tournaments, usually they give you like a week max. A week. <laughs> for a holiday. If, 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 yeah. If it's a if it's back to back tournaments, usually it's like one like you can go from a week to then sometimes even three weeks. So that's pretty much the breaks in between we have. But overall, you have I have my team that prepares me every um, after my matches before, uh, so I get recovery with my physio. Um, so I get a good rest the next day, um, fresh. Um, I eat well, get another routine training in, and then I start playing my match again in the evening or in the afternoon, and then I get recovery. So it's like that cycle. And after that tournament, I'll I'll go. I'll have a few days break, and then maybe I'll go to the next one again. Right. So, yeah. so it's very clear. I think if you <laughs> ever want to make it big, whatever field yeah. you're in, 
it's a matter of really hard work and discipline and really, you know, being on top of the game all the time, right? If you slack, um, I, I think that's a great lesson for, for everyone, you know, if you want to achieve anything. I'm trying to write better, so I have to <laughs> discipline and work hard on that. So I'm going to open this up to uh, the audience uh, for questions, mm -hmm. uh, which I hope they'll put in the chat, uh, chat room. And then I will uh, read it out uh, to whoever, you know, if you want to direct it to Yuna or to Nicole, I will, I will read it out. So far, I haven't seen any yet. Everyone just loves you both and just happy <laughs> to hear you uh, talk. Um, yes, okay, from Melissa Ahir. Any tips for when you miss Malaysian food in, say, The Hague? Um, <laughs> do you miss Malaysian food when you go on tour? And, you know, Malaysian food is not the healthiest, Nicole. I don't know how you would <laughs> balance. I did catch you once eating uh, banana leaf can in Bangsa one time. Ah, I was so yes, shocked. Yes. I was so shocked. <laughs> I thought, Nicole Why David takes banana leaf, so it's okay for me. Because <laughs> I don't yes, burn it off you. like you do. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. When I mean, that's the reason why I went to Amsterdam to stay clear from the Malaysian food. If not, I'll be indulging all day. But um, okay. no, it's I do have my moments when I'm uh, abroad that I miss um, Malaysian food. But I I have some Asian food, so I have a, a lot of Thai food. Um, I have like three Asian meals in the week. Uh, I'm pretty much that keeps me going uh, when I'm away. Uh, and there's one restaurant in Amsterdam that I go to that um that is a Malaysian restaurant. It's called Nyonya, and I ah. and I go there when I really feel like I need like my roti and my tetarik, <laughs> and I'm happy. Excuse me, right. Those simple pleasures make me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the roti canai really does it for you. I think like I there, you get roti canai and then you're good for the next like. Few weeks. For a while, you're just like, okay, I got my routine yeah. I fix. Yeah. <laughs> it does. The, it does. It does. the trick. Stays in that stomach for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's a question for both of you. Thanks for sharing your experiences. It's from Liani MK. What did you find most challenging in each of your journeys, and how did you overcome them? Both of them. Yuna, do you want to take that? Hmm. Um, the most challenging, yeah. Let's see. Um, definitely. Um, for for me, yeah, is just finding, you know, like being an artist in such a huge um music industry, especially like you know, like Hollywood, like the American music industry. There's a lot of like competition. So, um, I think for me, it would be finding my voice like my brand you know what is my brand um, which was actually after a while it got pretty easy because you know it's it's a no-brainer I'm a Malaysian Muslim you know Southeast Asian girl um, uh, who makes music so that was like of course my brand but I think like um, sonically um, uh, I had to like kind of just like try out different like genres and see which one like fits me or you know like which one I I would fit into this like 
category better? You know, do I sound better doing this type of music, that type of music? Um, and also, you know, like being away from um, your country because I grew up my whole life in Malaysia, kan? So uh, trying to um, be in LA and like, okay, like uh, adapt to the the lifestyle, which is not, you know, not really mine. For example, like a lot of people would go to parties and stuff like that. I don't go out to parties, you know, like I would go to events and then be like, okay, like 10.30 p.m. I'll be like, peace out, you know. So a lot of, a lot of artists would just like stay on and like socialize so i think like stuff like that i was really like um struggling with like i didn't go out that much i didn't have a lot of friends but that changed i think like i think after like four years in la like the first four years i just focused on just like sitting in the studio writing 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 and recording and touring done so just working i think after my fourth year i decided you know what let's just make this like my real base let's let's make la my my second home um regardless you know like whatever because sometimes you feel like kind of like guilty a bit you know you think about like what people would say like oh you know you know like forgot her roots or stuff like that you know so you're just like okay well this is not my base but you just have to like really be confident and own it you know so i think um as i uh, grew a little bit older and uh, the longer I stay in LA, I decided, you know what, I'm going to have my own apartment, make that my base. And this is my my life now, my work. Um, and, you know, really knowing that, yes, I, I deserve this and I deserve to like um, work here and, you know, grow as an artist. So after that, you know, like it got better for me, like I was able to. Uh, you know have friends and you know get a car started driving and make made LA my city you know and it's not that like I I completely forget about about Malaysia or KL you know KL is still my city but like LA is something else like it, it's really just the place where like I enjoy working and being creative you know so whenever people tell me that oh i'm coming to la i'll be like oh welcome to la you know like welcome to my city <laughs> so yeah. i think that's the 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 biggest challenge that i had to like overcome to just feel like yes i i deserve this you know like this is mine i work very hard for this and um yeah i think but you know i guess like it's um as an artist it's 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 a little bit different because you are in in a in a world where people everything you do people will will talk about you you know every move yeah. you make you're just like oh why is she doing that why is she this and that you know so i think it that was my biggest um challenge to kind of just like okay well i know myself and let's just do this let's just do my my work properly you know so yeah right right oh that's terrific you have to make a home yeah. for where you are right yeah mm -hmm. nicole what, what was your biggest yeah. challenge um, well, I, my biggest challenge was actually after working so hard, um, being in Amsterdam and I finally get my break of being world number one for the very first time in, in being world champion at 22. Um, then I just went like, you know, now what, you know, what do I do next after fulfilling my dream, my goals? And that, that was a tough time because I was quite lost 
in knowing nobody tells you how to become a world number one and they don't actually say oh do this or do that so you have to figure it out yourself um so i i lost most of my squash matches after being number one and i i was expecting myself to be this way i was trying to i was putting a lot of pressure on myself thinking oh people expect me to be this way but i learned i learned through that moment uh it was tough but I I came out knowing and learning that I have to just work harder basically to be at um at the at the top of your game you have to work even harder every single day and so that's when I fully got more serious in my training I I my my coach actually um reviewed my goals and we just focus on each year okay if we can do this and this and this we and to get to in the world championships that's our goal so so every year was that and i i didn't stop learning i didn't stop growing and i knew every every year i had to work even harder and then the next tournament even harder so that was the biggest challenge to not just be there but to understand what it takes to to be world number one and it's not it's nice as it sounds but it's not the easiest position but i fully enjoyed the experience um even uh, going from that moment to just building myself up to to get it year by year learning new things and just improving every every small bit um on in the process so yeah well you did that very well 112 months at number one, <laughs> and even Roger Federer had to acknowledge that right <laughs> that was the ultimate that was the ultimate that's amazing thank, thank you yeah. thanks so much so here's another question from Charlie Harun how can other Malaysians break onto the global stage in whatever field work hard yes but is there a secret what is your x factor Malaysians always want to know what is the secret ingredient is there something you take <laughs> so what do you think i mean is there a secret x factor that that uh, puts puts you above the rest uh i'll go first it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. for me it's like simple it's confidence i think like a lot of us don't don't really embody that that confidence like going out you know and do things because even for for myself Um for me I everyone around me told me that I couldn't do it you know so like everyone around me was just like ala tak payahlah you know we we have that like kind of just like ala tak payahlah like susah-susah aja you know and um and for me it's like no I I have to try lah I have to do it so we 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 lack that um enthusiasm sometimes like um and and confidence i think bila you you dah you keep hearing that you just feel like okay maybe i should just you know stay in malaysia and just you know be okay with with whatever that i have now you know like bersyukur lah with what i have now you know but um i think that's it like you just have to be really confident and really imagine yourself doing it and just be like i think i can do this and just go for it and give it your 110% lah not like you know like don't be like okay i need a day off <laughs> there's no like literally there's no day off i mean like look at nicole david like you <laughs> you go for training and i can i can imagine you know because i trained when i was in sukma i trained like a little bit and i cannot imagine like training every day like for long hours so um you're doing that with your singing so it's the same 
Yeah, well, yeah. Up the train. <laughs> exactly, but um, I think I think that's it. Like, work hard. Yes. Um, the X factor is, I think, you know, just really like believing that you can do it. I think that's that's the the tricky one. That that you know. Oh uh, hi. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Sienna wants to say oh, hi. Gosh. What's, her, what's his name? Her name? Uh, Vienna. Oh, wow. She loves uh, live chat. So she, but she, she has like some of me talking to the screen. She comes in and goes, Thank you, miss. That's a real fur ball, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, so yeah. cute. Okay, there are lots of questions coming in. I'm going to try and um, see if I can group similar questions. Um, I mean, there's one about difficult moment, but I think you've already, you know, answered that with challenges. You know, what's your advice for aspiring young singers? How mm. should they start their career in singing? Just um, do it like Nike. Just, <laughs> yeah, really just, just do it, you know, because sometimes you um, might have something already that you want to do, but you just hold it off like, okay lah, nanti lah, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm. So, um, don't wait for tomorrow, you know, like tomorrow is not promised to you. Um, you just have to start now and then um, just keep on making music. And if you don't know how, you know, there are a lot of ways to learn. Um, watch all these tutorials on YouTube and take online classes. Um, and um, I think, you know, just just that's the start for me would be the best way to do it is to start locally build your fan base locally um and don't skip that i think like for me if you skip you're just trying to like shoot for i'm just gonna go to hollywood and make music there you know like you miss out so much like the the how to connect with your fans like how to you know like um grow as an artist create your brand and really understand what you are like in in the in the uh, creative world like creatively like what's your creative direction um yeah start locally understand your fan base and and then later on you know like when you're ready to take on the world and that's when you think of like the next step like have that at the back of your mind like okay i i really want to release music like english music that you know everyone can listen to it like the whole world can listen to it you can actually do that already from home, you know, but um, try and create that fan base, like the local fan base first and, you know, give um, give them your music. And then later on, like you can try and like look, you know, wherever you want. You want to go to Japan and make music. You want to go to Korea. You want to go, you know, to the UK maybe. So, um, yeah, I think. And don't stop, you know, just just keep trying and yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, okay, here's a question from uh, Nadia Wafa, who I know is also a, a Malaysian athlete, um, to Nicole. And maybe uh, this will also, I think there's some similar question also for you now. Like, how do you deal with negativity, really? How do you deal with people's mm -hmm. comments? Like, why didn't you hire a local coach instead or... You know, I mean, there's a lot of negativity, and I know Yuna, you've you've had to deal with with a lot of naysayers and things like that. So, how how do you deal with comments like those, both of you? Or Nicole, maybe you want to go first. Nicole, um, yeah. Uh, for me, I I think it's just gonna happen. Um, everybody would want 
to see um, like maybe uh, someone local or some someone that they expect to be seen as a coach, but it's up to the person themselves whether they um, what clicks. And when I moved to Amsterdam, the straight away my coach just clicked with me, and I understood what she she was trying to share, how she how she explained the game and how she opened my eyes to a different perspective. It's about experience and how they can they can give that and and mold you to become a better player. Some coaches may not actually know how to do that, but you have to have that connection straight away with the coach. And and if you click, you just have to stick stick with that and, and progress. And even my coach said that if at some point you don't feel like you don't you're not progressing then you yeah i'll help you to look for someone else or look look around and you know because i don't want to stifle you and that's and that's her being open to different ways of uh, like building me and not uh, and i said look you know she she opened me to meet different coaches in australia in egypt and she so i i tried all different styles as well because she was open to me building and learning as much as possible so i think Comments like that will always come and it's up to us to just decide what we want um, and what works for us best. Nobody else knows better than mm-hmm. ourselves. Right. I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, yeah, Yuna, I mean, maybe, to, but both also both for you because this is question also like, is there a difference between the boys tour and the girls tour? <laughs> you know, and in Yuna, the, you know, being female in this field and being male, do you, have you experienced, you know, everyone's talking about it now, racism, you know, sexism and, and all that. And how how have you dealt with this? Um, I kind of like if, if I encounter anything like racism, I will... I know it's there, you know, it's important to be aware of these things, but I don't let it affect my work. So, you know, sometimes like I'll go on stage and then just randomly, you know, and all these uh, venues in, in the U.S., it's true, you know, they're, they're, they have bars, they have people drinking, but, you know, you, you just go there and do your work. Um, but then people will be like, you know, calling out names and stuff. But, you know, you just, okay, you, you see it. You hear it, but you just carry on, you know. And um, I think that's like very important. You you must not let that affect your life and your work. You know, you just have to keep on going. And um, and with um, with sexism, I think uh, as a as a young, obviously artist, you will encounter like. Um, men in suits like telling you what to do you know like they're just like oh you're just a young girl you don't know anything and I've gone to meetings where um, the label executive would just tell me to take off my scarf like oh yeah you know we um, if you want to be a singer just you know you have to take off your scarf you have to do this you have to do that we have to change you we have to like you know uh, you have to hire the songwriter you know and completely change the person that I I want to be what I envision myself like to be in like in the future so um, you just have to stand your ground and say no you know like I think that's the most important thing you can just say no like 
and a lot of people feel a lot of girls especially young girls like they feel like uh, I have to do this you know like if I don't do this like I cannot move forward if I don't do this you just have to say no it's okay like um, your opportunity will come not that way you know and you hear all these like um, sexual harassment like cases and stuff like that which is you know it, it it happens and we have to fight it because and we also have for me I have to educate the younger girls to just you know this is not the way how I do it how mm. I did it it didn't involve that like if it you know came to that little bit and you can kind of just like feel it happening I just like remove myself from the situation you know and it's okay if I don't get that opportunity it's okay I don't need it you know so um, it's important for me to like educate girls about what what can happen and how you can av avoid it you know so how you can just continue making your art and uh, protecting yourself and be successful as a woman you know in the music industry so yeah I think um yeah, I think yeah. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. I forgot what the question very was. Very brave, very yeah, brave. No, yeah, no, it's great. You're, you're so articulate. It's great. Nicole, um, yeah, we, you know, is there a big difference, Nicole, between the, the women's tour and the men's tour? And, you know, prize money, for instance, uh, among other things. Do you get oh, enough attention? Sorry, sorry. In the beginning, um, we were actually two separate bodies, so the men's association and the women's association. And when I started, there was a very big um, difference in terms of the the prize money and also the way um, like promoters would promote more men's events and may not want to take some women's events or maybe have women's events as, as a like side show you know, like have maybe four players to just have a exhibition event. So I, I've, I've seen that and I've grown with it. But when I was at number one, um, I had a responsibility to make a point that, you know, we, we deserve to be in a tournament like these, not just as a sideshow, but as a main show next to the men. And so um, like a particular promoter in New York once asked me to go and do these events and I said, no, unless you have a big event, I will come and play in this tournament. And it was in Grand Central Station, this nice glass court right there in Grand Central. And it's gorgeous. And everybody wants to play that tournament. So I've been wanting to play it. But after three years, he'd been asking me. The third year, he's, I told him, uh, will you be willing to play, make a big event? And he said, yeah, I will. And he did. And we had a women's and men's event side by side and the glass court and everybody just enjoyed the women's game then we started two years later we had equal price money and from then on the women's the u.s tour had is now um pushing all tournaments to be equal price money and all the big ones and also now we have about 10 major events around the world that have like uh par and also we are one body now the men's and the women's tour are under Fantastic. one professional body so we are all pushing. Then, like at the end, the sport knew that we have to grow as as a whole. We can't do it in two ways. So that was a real like for me it was a very exciting moment to see how it is growing and it's still growing. It still has a bit of space to to get to where the man is, but we are going side by side to try and build it build it as much as possible. But the smaller tournaments will 
gain as much exposure uh, the best way possible. Right. Um, we have a lot of questions, so we can go <laughs> over time a little bit. Sure. But although I understand you now, you have to leave uh, by certain time because you have another thing uh, to do. Is that is that right? So, mm-hmm. but it's okay. okay. We're we're, yeah? we're we're still good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about time. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm just like listening to Nicole talking. Like, mm, no, don't don't cut it short. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, ooh, some of them are just comments on your on your responses, which are so good. So, okay, role mm. models. Did you have role models, both of you, when you were starting out? Who who did you aspire to be? <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, really? really? Wow. <laughs> I think every every woman wants to aspire to J Lo. No, 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 oh, just wow. kidding. I mean, I mean, of course, of course. I think um, um, being um, Malaysian, it's like you know, you keep on looking at like Hollywood artists, and um, you're just like, okay, who looks like me? You know, who has the same mm-hmm. Skin tone, and it was Jennifer Lopez. For me, it was Jennifer yeah. Lopez. So I, I would like kind of like look up to her, just like, oh, I want to be just like her, singing and dancing, and you know, I would watch like yeah. her concerts uh, on on TV, on like VCD at the time, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think what really, um, really kind of just like triggered me to 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 do. Uh, music was there's this singer songwriter her name is Feist and uh, she's this amazing Canadian singer songwriter and I saw um, a video of her performing in Paris she has a an electric guitar with her and she just started singing a certain way a very different way it wasn't like Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston you know like it wasn't like like uh, what do you call it like a powerhouse like vocals you know and she was just singing her lyrics like as if she's talking to someone so I think that was like oh like I don't have to like sing like everyone else I just have to find my own way of singing I think um, Feist was the the girl that I would like you know she was like my 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 reference like um musically you know and um, how I want it to, to to sound like in my records in my album and on stage as well and you know playing the guitar I think she made she made that possible for me to just like I'm just gonna like sit for a few hours and like work on my guitar playing skills you know so um, yeah it was it was feist but as I grow older I think um, it was really difficult for me to to have like um and and icon to like oh I want to be just like her um because no one was was doing what what I was doing um you know I very you know I'm I'm what I'm doing is very different like I of course like being a, a Muslim Malaysian singer songwriter it's like I can't really you know like gauge like oh she's like me so now I just have to be the person that I always wanted to like um, 
look up to you know like the the 10 year old yuna can just look at yuna now and just be like oh i want to be like her and representation is everything you know like in especially in the music business it's like yes everyone looks the same and you know like people can't relate to like um uh, you know like girls who look a certain way um but i think i can definitely inspire you know girls who are just like me you know and um um especially also like in the US like um you know women of color can just relate to me and um and mm. see also a little bit of themselves like in me you know so i i see that as an importance lah, like why i i have to do this and yeah but uh it all started with jlo <laughs> <laughs> yes. and who do yes. who do you listen to now who do you listen to nowadays who? Who do I listen to now nowadays? Um let's see. I still listen to the same um artists that I I would listen to when I was younger like Lauren Hill. Um I listen to uh, Alia, a lot of like R&B singers, um TLC, Usher, Alicia Keys. All my favorite. Yeah. That's my my playlist of like also. Literally exactly right like Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but also you know like uh the younger artists as well like um there's Daniel Caesar there's um uh her uh and um uh, uh, yeah. who else like uh, uh Snow Allegra <laughs> and um also um, I I now that I'm home in Malaysia I I'm discovering music from local artists who are like young and it's insane it's so good so i'm just like really proud like in the last week i think i i discovered um this this rapper he does like malay trap and his name is kuai wow. and uh-huh. he's like 20 21 and he's so talented he produces his own music he writes his own song and he has like friends and he would tell me you know i reach out to him saying like oh you're so talented like where did you learn how to do all this and he's like from kawan-kawan lah you know from my friends and who are your friends and then he showed me he has like a rapper collective like hip hop collective i'm like and they're all so good too so um wow. i'm really proud that malaysia has um you know like a still like a, a growing and young music scene and um i love that i want to be a part of that you know so um it's a blessing in disguise kind of being back in malaysia and i have time to actually do this and reach out to them and talk to them it's it's fun it's nice fantastic oh wow <laughs> great shout out from yuna yeah. must have knocked yeah. his socks off you know you're welcome oh, to yeah. read the questions yourself and see what you want to answer too because there's so many and i'm trying to uh nicole did you have a role yeah. model and uh, there's also a question about what it takes for squash to be accepted by the oic i know you said it won't happen mm. until 2028 but you but you know yeah. what why are they reluctant i think that's the real question um To be honest, I I don't know. We've tried everything. We've done the campaigns. We've made a very strong case. Um, it's just that they don't want us, and I think we have to uh, accept that fact because they want some. They have different priorities, and we have to keep working on our sport, on our game that is growing globally. It's getting a lot of uh, attention, and 
it's just a true sport and if it doesn't get into the the game it's disappointing but we can't stop growing i think that's the key we can't yeah. get into a criteria that the olympic committee has put together that always keeps changing so yeah we just have to keep doing what we do best yeah yeah and and going back to the role models um i i growing up i have i watched a lot of sports so i always had um um like sprinters like michael johnson i watched basketball a lot so michael jordan obviously uh all these sports sports um icons that i grew up watching tennis players i mean roger federer they had something special and what they brought to the to the plate really stands out and you try to pick the best of each um athlete and make it your own so you don't become like them but you want to grab what is what really makes them the mm-hmm. way they are how their mannerism or how they feel on out there and try to um do that for yourself and make your own feel when you are training when you are competing and be your own person like you know saying like you have to find what works for you but you have to try it out yourself you can't just <laughs> expect yeah. it to just happen you have to try all different things different and that's what i did um next to and i love sports or so watching these top um professional athletes present themselves and and um how they speak everything that comes through in in their tone of voice right i find it interesting that all your role models are men though <laughs> When yeah. I know oh, women no, athletes. I also had women. Yeah, my squash squash role models were actually my coach, like Liz Irving, um, Sarah Fitzgerald. She was the world champion in squash. So, um, I when I was growing up, I also was thinking like I had a vision mm. of like me walking in the squash court, walking like Sarah Fitzgerald. You know, so that that's <laughs> also like me like uh, when <laughs> growing up, uh, and you have, you have to have a vision of. how you may look like and when i was 11 years old i had that vision of how she is on court so that was my female role models for sure and my right. sisters of us i wanted to beat them growing up ah they're older <laughs> than you yeah. are oh yeah okay yes. terrific i have two older sisters yeah ah I, i met billy jean king <laughs> one time and she was just yes. terrific you know for what Absolutely. she's done for women's tennis and 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 everything Um yeah. one question from Sabrina Sulaiman to Nicole Ka Nicole so uh, yeah. how you manage how do you manage your studies while being number one? I remember when your I think it was your SPM results came out it was like wow so many A's <laughs> and she plays squash at the same time how did you manage to balance that I guess yeah it's about how do you balance your life yeah Um actually squash gave me that um discipline to um time manage and study well so having that um my mind was active and i could actually absorb better when i study i i had moments where i needed to study um train for my tournaments i would train for it but then i also have time when there's exams i'll have time off to study for it and get prepared for it and i also had good friends that kept notes for me my teachers that were helping me after school um my tuition teachers so they were all very helpful and also my my parents at home were helping me with my studies and my sisters as well so everyone contributed to my 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 studying but sport, but squash really helped me to uh manage my time better and have the discipline to 
focus and if I had this much time, I better pay attention to what I have in front of me and not like wander off. So that, that made a big difference. If it wasn't for squash, I wouldn't have done as well in my studies, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's been that theory, you know, that if you, are, mm-hmm. if you do sports, you can also uh, do well in studies because of the discipline involved. So let's let's yeah. talk about future plans. Um, yeah. Has the COVID pandemic, you know, uh, torpedoed any of your future plans, both of you? And what are they? And are you still going to carry on? And how do you mean to, to carry on with them? You have a foundation, Nicole, uh, I understand. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the midst of um, setting up my foundation with my team. And um, obviously, at the moment, it's just um, in the midst of putting it together. Uh, and my team is working really hard to formulate all the, the nitty-gritty things to put it together. And it's for, um, it's for boys and girls to empower them through sport and also have English as an extra subject. Or to as as Malaysia's the the efficiency of English is going down, so this will help give them a little bit more um, um, leeway for the future uh, if they have um, their English proficiency, and at the same time have squash uh, to give them the tools, the values that I just spoke uh, spoken about discipline, um, just also. Uh, learning how to respect one another, those those values that you can come through sport and just have fun with. And it will reach out to eight, nine-year-old kids uh, mm. that will, because that's the age where they can really take all these things in and put it to use when they, when they grow up. So yeah, I'm very excited. This is really true to my heart. It will maybe take a bit more time um, with the with the COVID-19 happening, but when I'm back in Malaysia, I'll be able to do more on-ground work um, and start moving more next year. Sure. So you're doing it in Malaysia, and is it yeah, all sports or squash. just squash? Is it just squash? Just squash. Yeah, ah, just okay. squash for now. Yeah. So my right. expertise. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Yuna, yeah. what what are your future plans? Current um, and future. Well, before I get to, that, I just want to say that's so cool, Nicole. I mean, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, because only because, you know, I, I before I did the music thing, I mean, music has been always like a part of what I do um, since I was a little kid. But sports, I mean, bowling, you know, like it's to me, it's a real sport. OK, like a lot of people are it just is. like <laughs> people are just it like is. bowling is not a real sport. But bowling, I think, yeah, that gave me like as a kid, you know, that gave me that, that focus and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And I think if I didn't. Um, join like uh, the bowling squad I wouldn't be you know mentally like um, mm-hmm. strong and you know like it's it's a sport it's like being at competitions and just like not psyching yourself out if I didn't do that I wouldn't be the person that I am today so yes it's true you know yeah. sports like really changes like a person um, mm-hmm. uh, so anyways okay my plan <laughs> yeah um my my plan for the future, uh, inshallah, I think now with, with the pandemic, um, obviously like spending a lot of time at home, trying to be creative um, is really, you know, it's not easy to be creative and productive um, when you're kind of just like not knowing what the future is going to look like. Um, I don't know when I'm going to go on tour again. 
um and i just kind of just like let that go like okay you know what never mind like um i had a few shows uh, scheduled in april and that was um can either cancel or postponed we don't know yet um but what i can do now i guess like you know just try and like keep on working on music but when i'm not feeling um creative uh my husband and i we started this this um online learning platform it's called tiny tiny classes um and um just like this you know on zoom where we teach uh people anyone you know you can you can sign up and um join our classes we teach i teach introduction to songwriting um how to make an album how to go into recording um and later on you know i'll teach like about marketing how to market your music um my husband he's teaching uh classes on you know how to conceptualize music videos and production and we have a friend who's a talented director you know like um how to turn your ideas to to a film um so um it's that's like one of the things like i feel like um okay like i'm not really feeling creative right now let's do something to to help people out because sometimes i feel like people think that oh you know we can't ask yuna any questions and for me like i i think of it as a so differently like no you can just ask me anything you know so i we created like a proper platform for it is called tiny um and um so right now we're 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 doing that and it's fun you know we get to kind of just like talk to people um i have a lot of young malaysian um artists producers uh, musicians joining my wow. class so it's it's nice awesome. so yeah i think now just doing that and doing other music stuff but um yeah i don't know you know we'll we'll see we'll see where we we will go from from here at this moment i'm just cruising you know seeing like okay where where is this wave going to take me here so yeah <laughs> Maybe there are things you can do together, you know, since there's so much that's, uh, that's really in common. Um, Nicole, did you have a second sport when you were coming up? Bowling. No, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? And the uh, funny thing, in school, the only other club that I joined was the bowling club. <laughs> Yes, ah, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we did have a, a very good bowler, Shalin Zulkifli, right? Yes. At yeah. one point as Definitely. well. So, yeah. Indeed, a lot of bowlers, they they all are like they have World Cup um titles, World Champions, they they are yeah. and yeah. like in them trains and it's tough like having to bowl 14 frames like <laughs> not ah. easy. Yeah, yeah we think of it no, we think of it as a leisure thing right like let's go out and oh. bowl but yeah the professional no, they, ones are hardcore yeah. <laughs> i yeah. i played um in school i played um volleyball um basketball and also i did athletics but i stuck to squash because i yeah. think i basketball and volleyball i couldn't go very far with my height and athletics i I think I I used my speed into my squash which which made a big difference. Right. Right. Um okay, other questions. What's the thing the one thing about your game that you rely on most? Again, that's a Nicole question. <laughs> um, um my 
my mental capacity to um, stay focused and I train really hard on that with my sports psychologist to learn how to um, minimize the pre- like pressures or negativity when I go on court. So having different game plans, making sure I have a, my visualization techniques in place so that all these things are very clear in my mind what I have to do when I go in. And when I go in, I feel like I have to kind of switch off, switch on the button and just blank everything out and try to just go in with a sure game plan one point at a time. Easier said than done, but it's about practicing during my training. Um, and I think that was what I continue to build and develop that made me the strongest out there when I'm on, on, the, on the tour. And also my speed. Uh, I was very fast. I also was physically very uh, strong and I, I use all that I had as tools to push me through but with that with my body being physically ready then my mind is ready to take take forth as well. right Yuna you must also train right because it does take fitness mm-hmm. to to yeah. go on tour and things like that don't you? <laughs> Do you, do you have a training regime as well? No, I don't. No, <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I should. I should though. So, okay, everyone who's watching, you need to, you need to, you know, be healthy and you know, like keep your body fit if you want to pursue anything in life. But um, I, I do take um, dance classes with my choreographer. Perfect. So uh, that was like, yeah, like a like a, a huge thing for me. Like I love it. Like a we um do hip hop dance so it's it's pretty you know it's um, not not too hardcore but it's fun so it's something i enjoy doing and um so yeah i have that and uh, basically i think when you when i go on tour um i obviously rehearse like a, a few weeks before tour so just to keep my stamina up and um knowing that i will be singing every every single night And performing, I think my last tour was was the the toughest one because I was dancing and also I had choreography in in my show, so we also had to dance, you know. So that was like a new thing for me. That was a new challenge that I took up. Um, so I was singing and you know wow. doing the choreography as well, and uh, it was fun. Um, but I think once you get into the touring mode, you get used to it. Your body gets get used to it. And um, you just do it like every single night and you get better, you know, your your vocals become better. And um, I do take vocal lessons, um, um, vocal training like before. And now, you know, b- before I, I never used to do anything like that. But now, like before going into tours, like I would have a few sessions and yeah. And just, you know, make sure that I'm prepared for for tour or like for for a huge show. So, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. So the, it is I love physical as well. Right? I, yeah. I, 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 ah. I so what I do in Amsterdam is actually part of my condition training. So I I have like street dance classes on the <gasps> Saturdays and what? and it was like like freedom of movement, just going into the beats. Like they they just throw some good beats and bass, and you when you start dancing, it it, it really helps with my squash. Like you just yeah. don't think about. Anything else? You just go mm-hmm. and just. I love, I love dancing and street dancing and hip hop dancing is my number one. Yeah, <laughs> coordination. You know, like it, it yeah, helps. Yeah, exactly. Like it helps. I don't know. Like it did just did something for me. It 
in the beginning it was so hard to 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 catch like the 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 what do you call it? the flow of it and then after a while it's like training your body to, yeah to go this way at this beat and so um yeah it's definitely fun and it it keeps your mind like kind of like active as well you know like yeah. um being i guess like being creative yes you exercise your mind to to write songs and and things like that but at the same time it's kind of like i feel like it makes me become lazy because i keep like repeating the same lyrics the same songs the same melodies so dancing really like it helps me to kind of just like you know find inspiration as well like in, in different places so for sure mhm Nice. How you sing and dance at the same time? I always find it like yeah. Amazing. We all we all wonder yeah. about that. <laughs> uh, I I guess like when when there is like a choreography. So this this is the thing that a lot of Malaysians don't know. You know, like they just remember Yuna as the girl who plays the guitar, like the the nineteen year old Yuna on TV AJL. But now Yuna is like dancing. Like what is this? You know, like, like wow. It. Um. But yeah, you know, you 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 get used to it. Like I guess, like when there's a choreography uh, involved, like in a section, um, I just kind of you know learn how to hang on to my mic as tight as I can, and just you know do the choreography. Don't let it drop. <laughs> Don't let it drop. But uh, alhamdulillah, you know, so far, um, I've we've been doing it like perfectly. You know, I have to say, like every every show that we did, like um, we didn't mess up. You know, it it. It it gives like a different show, which I'm. I have to say, like I was very proud of it. You know, like I didn't think I could do it. I didn't oh, think I could do me. like. I didn't think I could be J Lo. <laughs> <laughs> But this last tour, I was a little bit like J Lo. You know, a bit closer. <laughs> oh, that's, a little that's bit amazing. closer. <laughs> oh, must, must be I, great. It's fun. Okay, we are mm-hmm. we are coming almost to the end, and there's still some questions. Um, which uh, you can take if you want but um we we like to conclude this session with you know asking you about any life lessons that you've had you know uh in your experience in in all this time uh in the past 10 years or whatever that you've been in your field what what has life taught you basically what uh, do you, what do you reckon Nicole can go first Okay, I'll go first. Um, I will actually, actually, when Yuna started speaking, she just said exactly what I wanted to say <laughs> to <laughs> aspiring um kids out um aspiring um kids or whoever out there. Just try, you know. You have to give yourself a chance to try it out and uh, follow your gut because you don't realize how strong and powerful that is. And we we underestimate the passion that we have can really take us so much further. So and Opportunities will open up for you if you let, give yourself a chance to try. And all there is going to be maybe failures. There will be tough moments, and you're going to have to have struggles at those moments of fears of not making it. But your gut really will tell you this is the right thing to do, and how you feel when you're doing it, it feels right. Just go for it. And I think that's what Yuna has done, what I have done, and we just and have taken. Ourselves to wherever we want to go with that feeling that, and then you go go with confidence and and you stand tall with what you have uh, with with you. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, wow. uh, you want to add or 
<laughs> I know she she said everything that you know like I would say as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, like follow your gut, and um, I think the most important thing as well, you know, like listening to yourself uh, rather than other people. You know, other people yeah. may like to to think that they can do your your job your role can play your role better than you but nobody knows you like how you know yourself so right. you just have to um because you know your everybody's experiences is, is different yeah um like i grew up for example like moving around uh, malaysia so i learned how to adapt like in different like um Uh, communities and uh, with different friends, um, different schools. Um, and then I grew up, you know, going to, let's say, uh, I went to Italy for uh, a foreign exchange program, um, student exchange program. And, you know, I went to a place where nobody spoke English. So I had to like be in a different country and for three months, like learning how to like communicate with them and being okay You speak Italian now? I speak a little bit, but not like, you know, I can't remember anything wow. anymore. Like, yeah, but, you know, like, and I created lifelong friends, like, in Italy because, you know, we grew up together technically. And um, um, so, you know, my my experience is different from everyone else. So when I, for example, when I started doing music in Malaysia, people thought that, oh, you know, like, she's, like like us so i believe that as well oh yeah i'm like other people i'm like you know like um i'm just a normal girl you know i keep saying that to myself but but my experiences it it didn't make me like a, a normal girl i'm very abnormal you know so <laughs> not abnormal but you know i feel like i can use those skills these experiences that i've had you know that was specially like given to me um from from god you know so I had to think that okay, I have to use that and move forward. And because nobody knows me, um, nobody knew what I went through before. You know, like what what uh, I was working on. Like I worked really hard. So I think it's important to not let anybody else tell you um, what to do um, to narrate your story. You have to be the narrator of your story. And um, that's the most important thing. And if you feel like you can go out there and play tennis, like be the number one tennis player, go for it. You know, like if you feel like you can go out there and win a Grammy, um, you know, make music in, in the US and win a Grammy, go for it. Don't let anybody else tell you that, you know, like, oh, maybe you should do it this way or that way. Just, just. You know, yeah, like follow your gut and be confident and trust your instincts, I think. Yeah. Terrific. And it's amazing that you said you have to tell your own story because I, you know, I write and I, I just did a writing course and that's what they, everyone keeps saying, you know, you're the only person who can tell your own story. And and I guess that goes through every every field, really, not not mm. just writing totally. or whatever. So uh, we are coming right to almost uh, 11.30 now. So there are still questions, but I'm really sorry. I I can't um, ask them all, but it's really been terrific having both of you. You're both wonderful, talented, and articulate uh, people. 
And it's been great listening uh, to both of you. You have so much to say. And I just want to wish both of you well uh, and all the best in, in whatever you choose to do next. Um, and keep flying the flag for us. We're all so proud <laughs> of both of you. We really are. Thank you. And uh, so look, forward, <laughs> look forward to seeing you in uh, real life, uh, you know, because we can't yeah. all live online all the time. I do hope <laughs> that we can be. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why not? Yay. And then we go and dance, dance it off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Every, every I would dance off. To dance off. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, also, who's been listening and asking questions. It's really terrific to have you all. So thank you again, Yuna. Thank you again, Nicole. All the best. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for Bye, having me. Everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me.